For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Starting five here on The Drive with Tim Donnelly, brought to you by Window Nation. As always, we count down with the starting five, so we start with five. The AP preseason poll was released today. Few interesting uh, developments here. Uh, One, just like in the coaches poll, Florida State ranked higher than Clemson. I found that very, very interesting. I find that very, very interesting. The Florida State hype, no joke. No joke at all. And according to David uh, David Hale, ESPN reporter, covers the ACC in college football, um, 18 times, the last 18 times, of the last 18 times, Florida State was ranked in the top 25 in the preseason AP poll. 15 of them, they were worse by the end of the year. Five times they were unranked by the end of the year. Three times they've gotten better, and that does include uh, the 13th um, – or the 2013, I should say, where they started 11 and finished number one after winning the national championship. But the the overwhelming majority would say that preseason, the hype tends to be a little overdone for Florida State. And not just Florida State, but you also got to remember this. A reminder, 15 of the 25 teams ranked in last year's preseason mm-hmm. poll finished the season unranked. And the ones that were ranked were kind of the obviouses, right? Georgia defending national champion returning quarterback and a whole bunch of studs on defense like that there there are some obvious ones and then last year pretty much everything that wasn't obvious went south Florida State over Clemson is fascinating to me because part of me thinks it is um fatigue with Clemson right part of me thinks uh it's interesting that in both the coaches poll and the AP poll Florida State is ranked higher than Clemson Yet, Clemson is still picked in the preseason uh, media poll to win the ACC. So, they're, I guess they're saying Clemson's going to fall falter a few times in their non-conference schedule. And then, uh, so they'll fall below Florida State in the national rankings, but still find a way to win the Atlantic Coast Conference. Those two being the top 10 teams, being the, or being the two teams in the ACC ranked in the top 10, 8th and 9th, feels like a... Uh, like a cage match of sorts. And I just, I don't see how Florida State is in the same weight class as Clemson right now. Right? Notre Dame 13th. I think that's fine. Uh, it is interesting. Uh, and I, again, this is one of those, it sounds interesting. It sounds like it means something, but it really doesn't facts of the day. Uh, the last time Notre Dame was ranked 13th was in 1988 and they won the national t- championship. Uh, so last time they were ranked in the preseason AP poll 13th. So maybe it's a, like an unlucky, lucky 13 thing. I don't know. UNC is 21st. We talked about this. Uh, I think that is either very, very high or very, very low. I don't think they'll finish 21st. I think if they've, they've put together the right puzzle pieces around May, they'll finish top 10. And I think if they, they put the wrong puzzle pieces around Drake May or not enough puzzle pieces around Drake May or the Tez Walker eligibility situation doesn't break their way and it turns out he was the the – Secret sauce, I think they'll be out of the top 25. 
I think another key puzzle piece for Carolina's success this year, especially on defense, since that's where a lot of concern was last mm-hmm. season, even coming back into this year, is the pass rush. Can mm-hmm. they apply pressure on the quarterback? I mean, South Carolina, App State, Minnesota, and Pitt all figure to feature among the more physical and tight offensive lines that Heels received this year. So, besides Drake May, the defense is a big question of how successful they will be, but also comes down to applying pressure to opposing teams' quarterbacks. Yeah, and, and I know I don't have to say this to Carolina fans, but don't sleep on App State. Right, I know you don't. After last year, how could you? But uh, along with what you just said, App State has two players on the Outland Trophy watch list, which goes to the best lineman, offense, and defense. Um, and they also have their running back on the Maxwell Award watch list. You're going to call me crazy. Don't sleep on Minnesota either. Top 40 offense from last year. And, and yeah, Minnesota is always a strange one. They always – their team is always – P.J. Flex, so he kind of – it's a weird cadence out there. Um, and then lastly, the, the thing I want to point out is Oregon State is 18th. Oregon State won 10 games last year. They smoked Florida in a bowl game. Uh, they, they beat Oregon, who was ranked. For everyone that screams when this realignment stuff is happening, win, right? Win, and it fixes everything. Win, put together a good program. Recruit, win, and it fixes everything. Oregon is 18th in the country, or Oregon State, sorry. Oregon State is 18th in the country in the preseason AP poll, coming off a big bowl win over an SEC team, uh, won double-digit games. Nobody wants them in their conference, right? They were, of the Pac-12, one of essentially two teams, if you don't count Stanford and Cal, who were left out there on their own. And, And they've done the thing that everybody keeps yelling, right? If you want everyone to watch you win, well... They're 18th in the country, and uh, they have a lot of other things going for them, and they're undesirable because they're in Corvallis, and uh, and they don't bring a massive brand or media market. So it's not all just about winning. I wish it was. I wish it was, but it's not all about winning. Number four. We are the four horsemen. Woo! Little late-breaking uh, running back news, right? I thought the news was going to be that the, the Colts expected and have Jonathan Taylor back at uh, camp. But now you have Zeke Elliott taking a one-year up to $6 million agreement, according to uh, uh, Ian Rappaport of, of the NFL Network, with the Patriots. The running back market is, I mean, I have a feeling that there's going to be, you know, <laughs> you know, every once in a while you hear of a weird uh, Harvard class, right? It's like, oh, at Harvard this year you can study uh, the history of Biggie Smalls or like, uh, the rise and fall of, of board games in America. And it's like, oh, you know, really smart people have some strange classes. Pretty soon there's going to be like a like a lecture series at Harvard. And it's going to be the, the development and current state of the running back financial market. Because right now you have Jonathan Taylor, I think, fairly obviously, milking the rehab of an injury as a hold in, right? As a, I'm at camp. Sometimes I'm going to leave and say I'm doing uh, rehab. Sometimes I'll come back and I'll be on the sideline in a hoodie. Uh, But I want a new deal, and this is how I'm expressing my distaste. Oh, by the way, two years ago I was one of the best players in the NFL, and and you need me. Meanwhile, you have Zeke Elliott, who for a three-year period, I mean, you could argue was the best running back in the league, and still before his 30th birthday – is not only run out of town from the, the the iconic franchise that he is in the top three 
in yards rushing, touchdowns rushing, and a bunch of other categories behind only two guys named, what was it, Emmett Smith and Tony Dorsett. Like, it's not like he's amongst bad company. That's his peers when it comes to Cowboys uh, running stats, rushing stats. And he's forced to take a one-year six, up to, up to, $6 million deal uh, to back up Ramondre Stevenson with the Patriots. You have Josh Jacobs out there still holding out, and it's not even news. He led the league in rushing last year, number one. You have Dalvin Cook maybe going to sign with this team, maybe going to sign with that team. (laughs) Kareem Hunt visited the Saints. It looked like he was going to sign with the Saints. Last second pivoted. He's taking more visits. Um, But the funny part is, I believed part of the reason they didn't bring in Kareem Hunt and just sign him to a deal with the Saints was because they had Condre Miller, who is a a mid-round rookie they drafted. He's now dealing with a sprained knee, and Kareem Hunt still hasn't been signed. The the running back market will be be studied. It's the wild, wild west right now. It's the wild, wild west. It feels like um, like the dot-com bubble burst in some way where, like, like Ladanian Tomlinson and Adrian Peterson, when they were getting paid a ton, that was when like Yahoo, Pets.com, and Stamps.com were all worth a billion trillion dollar stocks. And now we're at the point where it's like, you know, those stocks are worth nothing. And there's a whole bunch of dot-com startup bubble billionaires that are, uh, you know, I don't know, going to go to jail for fraud or something. And that's where the running back market is. And by the way, I don't know if that's exactly how the bubble burst, but it felt like that's how the bubble burst. Something along those lines. Somewhere right now, like uh, Austin Eckler is just mad at Silicon Valley for him not being able to demand a trade. Uh, let's jump to number three. One, two, three. We go to a former state quarterback, Russell Wilson, made his preseason debut for the Sean Payton-led Broncos. It was down, down, like, you know, people like to say that, it, oh, his, you know, first game was was up and down. It was it was not that for Russell. It was down and down and down and up. And then they pulled him out of the game, right? They they George costanza Russell Wilson. One good joke. Thank you, everybody. Good night. And he, and he made his way out. Three bad drives, one touchdown drive before he was pulled. It felt like Sean Payton was going to play him until he got it together, right? If we keep going three and out, you're going to keep playing. I need a touchdown drive, and then you can leave, right? Like a like a coach, a basketball coach who's having his team run suicides, and he says, that like, if you don't get one under whatever, you know, 40 seconds or whatever the time is, we're going to keep running them all day. You run one good one, and he's like, all right, good practice, bring it in. Like they needed him to have one good drive. And he looked good on his last drive, right? As bad as he looked on his first three, he looked that good on the fourth. Now, maybe the defense was pulling out their starters and it was easier to look good. Maybe. Context does matter in these situations. But it, it feels like Sean Payton has his work cut out for him, or at least the work that he is putting a little extra added emphasis on is on getting this offense some some confidence and getting Russell some confidence. 
right? I, we 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 talked about everybody talked about. Um, matter of fact, the Jets are still talking about, even if they're not talking about it under a microphone. I'll tell you how I know in a second. Um, Sean Payton aired a lot of dirty laundry about the previous coaching staff in Denver, right? Nathaniel Hackett did such a great – it was the worst coaching job in NFL history, and we're going to look at what they did last year and do the opposite. And it's, it wasn't Russell's fault. It was them for allowing it to happen. And one of my theories was he was worried about Russell's confidence. Yeah. So if you put all of the blame on someone else, you're also telling Russell it's not your fault, right? Don't get down on yourself. Last year wasn't your fault. Having the worst season of your career, it wasn't your fault. It was someone else's fault. So you should remain confident in you. And that makes a little bit of sense. And now he's he's leaving him in until he gets something to be confident about, right? If There were two uh, celebrations that were shown the most in, um, like, highlights and everything when it comes to, excuse me, NFL preseason. One was Patrick Mahomes going nuts because Shane Bouchelle, his backup, had a Patrick Mahomes-like play. He did all the scrambling and jumping over people and threw it across his body, and Pat Mahomes was going nuts. The other was Russell Wilson fist bump. Fist pump, excuse me. He he looked like Tiger on, on you know, uh, uh, ch- a chip in yeah. to eagle and force a playoff, right? He was that kind of excited, and it was the fourth drive of a preseason game. And he, by the way, is a Super Bowl champion who's made hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. It's like, okay, felt like he needed that, right? Sean Payton is out there trying to, like, artificially give Russell Wilson and that offense more confidence. And then the last thing on on this little subject, uh, Sean Payton, again, railing against the previous regime, talking about their preseason game, said there will be no players without their jerseys on after they play. There will be no... Uh, sunglasses on, no Gilligan hats, n- no interviews during the, the the game. Obviously throwing shade at Nathaniel Hackett. Nathaniel Hackett is now the offensive coordinator for the Jets. So guess what Garrett Wilson did during the Jets preseason game against the Panthers? Many of you probably watched it. Garrett Wilson was wearing a sleeveless shirt, not his jersey, a bucket hat, a.k.a. a Gilligan hat, sunglasses on, and was giving an interview during the game. They heard what Sean Payton said, and they're they're trolling him with uh, what they do with the Jets. Um, but Payton's got to do what Payton's got to do to get Russell Wilson going, or else that that Bronco situation will remain kind of nasty. Number two, Just the two of us. Carolina, NC State, Clemson, Florida State, reportedly. The no's, the no votes, the nays. The four horsemen. For not allowing Stanford and Cal into the ACC. 11 yeses, four no's. That's all it takes, right? The the ACC bylaws say that you need 12 of the 15 full voting members, which does include Notre Dame, uh, to, to vote yes in order to approve the invitation to schools to join. So 11 no's, or sorry, 11 yeses is not enough. To me, this puts their intentions on the open, right? Carolina, NC State, Clemson, and Florida State do not want the ACC to be as strong as it can possibly be. 
And that is very concerning for fans of and and teams that want the ACC to remain powerful, strong, relevant, and quite honestly, in existence, right? Because uh, the fact that the 11 said yes were the ones who I believe need the AC, ACC the most. Syracuse, Boston College. Syracuse, Boston College, Virginia, Virginia, Virginia Tech, Wake, Duke, Miami, Georgia Tech. We go on and on, right? The fact that those were the schools that said, yes, we want Stanford and Cal tells me that, uh, and by the way, those are the schools that are most likely to be Washington and Oregon stated if the ACC collapses, right? They're the ones that are most likely not to find a more uh, valuable or more sustainable home. So they would rather stick in the ACC. They would rather have the ACC around. And they said, yes, makes me think that they all believe the thing that is best for the ACC is to bring in Stanford and Cal. And I agree with them. So the fact that uh, Clemson, Florida State, uh, NC State, and, and UNC all said no makes me think that they're rooting for the ACC. They are actively making decisions to hold the ACC back from being as strong as it possibly could be. Now, why would that be of their best interest? I can connect dots. It's because they want the ACC to be weak. They want the ACC to be bullyable. They want the ACC to not be able to keep them in the ACC. Right? That I mean, it's well known that you need eight teams right now, as it stands, uh, to want to leave the ACC in order for the grant of rights and the, the conference as a whole to just dissolve. Eight teams. That's what you need. I would assume if you bring on two more teams, that number would probably go to nine. Yeah. Right? So so if they want to be able to disintegrate the ACC, it is in their best interest to not bring in new members, even if they are Stanford and Cal. Right? And even if you recognize that you're, you're right now as it stands, for all intents and purposes, a 14-team football conference, and the Big Ten is about to be an 18-team conference. Right? The SEC is about to be a 16-team conference. So in the not-too-distant future, you are going to be the the smallest group at the big boy negotiating table. I'm not saying Stanford and Cal are the biggest and baddest people to have in your squad, but I am saying if you don't get Stanford and Cal and you decide two years from now you want to expand and they've already gone to the Big 12 or they're already happy with wherever they land as independents or elsewhere, then you might be in trouble, right? Because then you're looking going, I am Memphis? Can we get Memphis? SMU? And SMU and Memphis? Mm. Carolina NC State, for as far as teams in the triangle. Actions are saying, right, and I'm, I'm reading between the lines here, but actions are saying they are against the strengthening of the Atlantic Coast Conference. Yikes. That is, that is major, major impact. Let's get to number one. Bryce Young, preseason debut, took place over the weekend. Uh, first pass, nice, nice, nice play, especially from Bryce Young. Right, He had a handoff uh, up the middle, and then his second play that the offense was on the, on the field, it was a nice get through your progressions, right? The front side was on the left. He comes all the way back to the right, finds Adam Thielen for a first down, and uh, that was about where the offense stopped. 
Three drives with with Bryce Young, 16 total yards, no third down conversions. Shutout eventually becomes solidified. You lose to the Jets 27-0, although the final score doesn't matter. What it kind of uh, uh, highlighted is something to be of concern. Here's Bryce Young after the game on the shutout loss. Yeah, it was just, you know, lack of execution, um, you know, starting with myself again, there's, there's things that um, I definitely could have done better, um, you know, and, you know, I think us as a unit, you know, we, we all take accountability and we all, you know, look in the mirror first and, you know, we, we talked to, you know, Coach Wright made that point, um, you know, with us in the locker room of, you know, us being a, a team and a unit that looks in the mirror and, and, and takes accountability and, you know, that's what we put out put on tape that's what we had so now we have to figure out you know we, we have to learn from it we have to own it and you know look to get better but again it, it's a team it's a team effort it, it's all of us you know top to bottom again we, we take complete accountability of what happened so obviously you know we, we want to improve and, and be better starts with myself says Bryce Young starts with myself I used to do a bit on a, a show I worked on previously where at the end of the year I would keep track of every starting quarterback I heard that said the term starts with me. And I kid you not, almost like clockwork, at the end of every year, uh, the total would be about three-fourths of week one starters at some point in the season would say starts with me. They would say, uh, we didn't have the type of execution we were looking for, and it starts with me. We didn't play as well as we should, and it starts with me. That or I got to get better. We weren't ready. No, I mean, literally, they would say starts with me. And I would I would put them all together with music, and it would just be Matt Ryan starts with me, Matt Stafford starts with me, and it would just say them all all the way through. And and seventy five percent of starters. It took Bryce Young one preseason game, and he hit starts with myself. So you know a little bit fancier on the language, vocab is impressive, but he's there. Um, you know, I, I, the joke would always be that there's some kind of quarterback media training guide that every when you become a starting quarterback in the NFL, they send it to you. Um, but it, it's, it's that prominent. It's that obvious, right? If you're going to criticize anything, make sure everybody knows it starts with you now with Bryce young. And it does start with him. I thought he did fairly well, right? An overthrow here or there. Yes. He went four of six for 21 yards overthrow here or there. Fine. But he did seem to be getting through progressions. He did seem to be stand, standing in the pocket. He took some hits. Um, maybe he could have got rid of the ball a little bit faster, but there were no giant red flags. There were no big questions I had about Bryce Young after the game. The offensive line, I want to see you do better. Certain parts of the defense, even though you're playing with mostly backups, when you're matched up against the Jets' backups on offense, uh, I'd like to see you do better. But when it comes to Bryce Young, and by the way, the entire success of, of this season will be judged on how have you been doing developing Bryce Young Right, I, I sure I want to see you in the playoffs. Sure, I want to see you win games. Sure, I want to see you uh, develop other young players. But Bryce Young is priority number one. I didn't see anything that scared me off too bad in in the first preseason game. Yeah, he took three hits, one of them being a sat, and the first one being a get, being a <laughs> from a two hundred eighty five defensive back. And you're thinking from what Chris Lee said in the Panthers press box, everybody held their breath for a second and kind of gasped. But then once he popped back up, poker phase went on to the next play. That's another big part of it. Can you keep Bryce Young healthy? Obviously, they have Andy Dalton, but I feel like Andy Dalton's role is just to be there as a mentor to Bryce Young. And no offense to Matt Corral, but from what I saw from him when he came into the game, I don't know if he'd be ready to go into a big-time regular season matchup. 
So how do you develop Bryce Young, but also how do you keep him healthy? And that comes with the offensive line forming as a whole and putting this loss behind them. Andy Dalton is one of my favorite analogies is your backup quarterback in most cases is like the, you know, you know, the little small donut tire that you have. Yeah. Like not, it's not a full tire. It's a little, little tire to, if you, if you have like a, you know, flat tire on the highway or whatever, um, your backup quarterback. And this is what Andy Dalton is for the Panthers. I believe is that little donut. He doesn't have the shiny rims. He'll, he'll get you to an auto body shop, right? He'll get you to a gas station. He'll get you home but it's probably not smart to drive cross country on it, right? If if Bryce Young uh, tweaks a hammy, right? Uh, breaks a finger on his throwing hand that doesn't need surgery and he's out three weeks, Andy Dalton's solid, right? Andy Dalton will come in and he'll win probably on average one and a half of the three games that, that he starts. Uh, but if, if Bryce Young gets the serious kind of injury and Andy Dalton has to come in for 12 games, that's the problem. Uh, so you don't, you, you want to protect Bryce. You want to protect Bryce. Can't treat him like he's in bubble wrap. Can't treat him like he's fragile. But you want to protect him. And uh, and they need to do a better job of that. Thank you for listening to the Best of the Drive podcast. I'm Tim Donnelly here with Coach Pete Deruda, America's wealth coach and best-selling author. Coach, one of the big questions I always hear is, do I have enough money to retire? Well, maybe, maybe not. The most important thing is you have lifetime income you can never outlive. We'll design that plan for the next 10 people to call. No cost or obligation. Put yourself in control of retirement. Call 800-691-3215. You can also text Tim to 600-700. That's T-I-M to 600-700. You'll hear from Coach Pete and the Capital Financial Advisory Group. There's lost 27 zippy to the the Jets and even the the positives you find out of things like Bryce Young or or you know a few other places you still have to to sort through a rubble of not great to get to the great or the good. Luckily, not many teams put a ton of stock in preseason. Here's Jeremy Fowler of ESPN. It's important, certainly. I mean, there, there have been players that have won the job based on how they performed in preseason games. It's really just, you know, the games are sort of a, they confirm what they've been doing in practice, right? So Baker Mayfield, you saw last night where he had good command of the offense. That's been his calling card in the Bucks' starting job competition with Kyle Trask, who Kyle might have a little bit of a bigger arm or has some, some talents that could help him. And, and he had some good days that he's thrown together when, when Baker Mayfield was kind of pressing a little bit in practices. But overall, he's had better command of the offense, has been a little more polished, which helped him in a situation like last night he performed well so they just want to make sure that it translates i don't know that anything in a vacuum is going to be overreacted to like these coaches and these players really know after a couple weeks and and some games under the light uh, who's going to be the guy there's some stock to put in it there's some stock to say that's way too much stock to put in it right there's there's uh nothing is set in stone but you can start to form opinions Derek Carr, by the way, looking at the NFC South and how it compares to the the Panthers, uh, for the Saints, Derek Carr immediately looked like the best quarterback the Saints have had since Drew Brees. One drive, one touchdown, out of the game. Uh, It it looked like he belonged. It looked like he was in control. It looked like uh, there was a very, very specific point that they wanted to make. They wanted to get the rhythm. They wanted to get him out, and that's exactly what they did. And it was all Derek Carr, Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas. There was a target, although it was an incompletion, to Chris Olave. Uh, and and they, they got in and got out. That is exactly why they brought in Derek Carr, right? Because remember, last year it was 
Jameis Winston. It was Taysom Hill. It was a little bit of this. It was a little bit of that. It was kind of all over the place. They wanted to bring in a veteran, so just everybody knew what was what. That's exactly what what happened in game one for the Saints. Everybody knew what was what. They're the betting favorite to win the NFC South. Right, that the Panthers were second, and they were chasing the Saints. Uh, the the first preseason game uh, pretty much showed why. Right, the Panthers might have the same amount of talent, but the experience, the been there, done that of the Saints is significantly more than what the Panthers bring to the table. Cam Jordan was doing uh, the worm. Did you see all that? He was doing somersaults. He was doing the worm. He was a veteran with double digits in the league, looking like he was spry and ready to go. And that might have been part of what they were looking for from Derek Carr. right? They wanted him to to energize what had become tired in New Orleans. So, again, don't take everything. It's not, it's not an end-all, be-all. If you're good in the week one, you're bad in the week one preseason, it sticks with you. But the Saints... They looked put together. The Bucks, another team in the NFC South, uh, they look like they're they're big steps closer to to deciding who their starting quarterback is going to be. Baker Mayfield got the start, and they said Baker would start the first, Kyle Trask would start the second, so they still might do that. But Baker Mayfield stepped in there looking like a guy who was was not competing. Right, looking calm, cool, and collected. This is my job. I'm gonna, I'm gonna slice them and dice them and send them home, and then I'm gonna jump on the sideline and have some fun. Right. The the one thing you'll notice if you watch preseason games, the one thing you'll notice, or one of the many things you'll notice, is the starting quarterback who's not playing, and or the starting quarterback who played well for a series or two and then got pulled, has a very, very different attitude, vibe, aura than everybody else on the field, right? It is quarterbacks are so serious all of the time, right? That you almost, it's jarring to see them let loose, right? It's jarring to see them smile, but in a preseason game, after either A, the the coaches told you you're not playing, we're going to play the second guys the whole team, the whole time, or, um, when you've played well for a series or two and you got pulled is one of the few times you can honestly kind of let your guard down, right? Because think of it in every other situation, the starting quarterback is either in the game playing, the backup quarterback is ready to be one play away, or uh, that you're, you're still so locked in and you might have to go back in. And like, it's the only time where you know you're not going back in a game and you didn't do anything wrong to get benched and you didn't do anything to get hurt. Baker gave off those vibes. I played well. I did my job. I showed up. No nonsense. Got it done. Now I'm on the bench watching my backups. Right? Uh, think of Aaron Rodgers during that mic'd up thing in the the Hall of Fame game where I think we should throw it deep to Malik. Malik, Malik. And then he's running down the sideline, fist bumping. Think of uh, um, Patrick Mahomes going nuts for Shane Bouchelle. Uh, there's There's certain vibes that they give. Baker Mayfield did that. And then Kyle Trask didn't play as well. And matter of fact, he probably got outplayed by their third string quarterback, John Wolford. I think the the Bucks are closer to naming Baker their starter than they've ever been. And uh once they do that, that's a big step towards them being competitive. 
And then the other team in the, the NFC South is the Falcons. They played no one. They played backups. Desmond Ritter has four starts in the NFL at quarterback. They said, ah, I think he's good enough. We don't have to play him. He doesn't need reps. We have callers calling in saying Bryce Young should have played four series. He played three, saying he should have played the first half. The Falcons said, nah, Desmond Ritter, he played four games last year. He's not playing in, in game one. Uh, Kyle Pitts didn't play. Drake London didn't play. Bijan Robinson didn't play. They're expected to get some, some who knows how many reps in the second preseason game. Um, but the Falcons got a little good vibes going. They won their game 19-3. to uh, their offense didn't play particularly well, but as I mentioned, nobody played. Uh, they had a kick return touchdown, a punt return, I should say. Uh, they had an interception return touchdown. So they scored on offense. They scored on defense. They scored on special teams. They didn't have to risk any of their starters. I, I Basically, the reason why I brought this up is if you look around the NFC South, I think the, the Panthers and Panthers fans, and maybe even this show to an extent, needed a reminder that even bad NFL teams are still filled with really, really good players, right? And and so you can say the NFC South is bad. I have no problem with that. I don't think they're going to be, uh, you know, a bunch of uh, Super Bowl favorites at the midway mark out of those four teams. However, they're professionals. They're looking to get better, Right. They're professionals. They're looking to improve. They're going to use the preseason in the best way they see fit. Kyle Pitts, Drake Lund, like those are good players for the Falcons. Derek Carr is a hundred million plus 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 quarterback. Like there's good players out there. So the Panthers better get your act together. If everyone else is getting better in the division and you're getting worse, or or staying stagnant, better get your act together, because because nobody else is going to wait around for for you to figure it out. By the way, speaking of uh, the, the the Panthers, there's going to be more Panthers talk coming up next on Panthers Talk uh, right here on 99.9 The Fan. There's also a bunch of our conversations from throughout our show on our YouTube page, which I encourage you all to check out, 99.9 The Fan on YouTube. If you comment there, there's a good chance I'm going to comment back. If you ask a question, there's a good chance I'm going to answer it. If you make a statement, there's a good chance I'm going to build on it. Uh, all of that is happening on our YouTube page. And uh, also subscribe while you are there. Uh, tomorrow is the ACC deadline for a team to withdraw from the conference uh, for the 2024 season. So what that means is we're going to be talking about that deadline tomorrow on the show. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.